0: What is up, everybody? This is Ryan for The Scale-Up Show. I have a special guest, Mark Steus, on today. He is the CEO and founder of Proof Analytics. Something really cool that he shares in this episode, which is very unique, is just the pricing innovation they did to shorten a sales cycle from six to nine months to two weeks. So you're not going to want to miss it. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to The Scale-Up Show. I have a very special guest with me today. I have Mark Stoos. Mark is a former CMO from Honeywell, who is currently the CEO of Proof Analytics, which is the world's best and fastest automated marketing and revenue optimization platform. Some really cool things that Mark's doing. He's one of the top 50 startups to watch in 22. Uh, Analytics innovator in the year of 2020 and one of the most ten most influential analytics leaders in 2021. And then to to put a cherry on top, Mark also provides some solid stellar content on LinkedIn. Uh, Mark, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man. My pleasure. Great to be here. (laughs) Yeah, man. So excited to have you on here and um, loved our, our pre-show jam. But so that everybody has a context of where you're at kind of in your journey with your organization. I always like to go through a revenue rundown on where you're at in the journey and kind of what you're focused on. So where are you guys at in
1: terms of your ARR? So we are very much uh, uh, in scale up right now. Uh, we just made a uh, a big announcement with Salesforce, which is a uh, we're an OEM partner of Salesforce. Nice. Um, Uh, It's essentially, we now have the only marketing resource management platform on native on Salesforce, which is loaded with all kinds of advantages, and it has marketing mix modeling integrated into it. So that's another thing that's unique about it. And it's $49 a seat per month on a monthly contract. So I think you can probably guess uh, what our business has been like since we made that announcement a couple, three weeks ago. Um, so we are, we are right around 3 million ARR okay, cool. running, running rapidly, you know, much higher than that. Um, and I think that actually one of the things that we, that's going to, I think, prove to be very important in this area is the fact that we've gone to MRR contracts. hmm. And uh, and that has been somewhat unusual for all of the the talk about it, right? It's fairly unusual in enterprise SaAS, right? Um, it's usually an annual contract paid up front, you know, all this kind of stuff. But we really started, you know, beginning about a year or so ago, we were getting a lot of intelligence uh, from a lot of sources that turned out to be exactly right. And that is that companies are moving away, meaning customers are mm-hmm. moving away from annual contracts. They, they. It's not so much the price, although the price is always important, but they've been, they're having pretty substantial trust issues. And I've since spoken with a lot of procurement leaders on this, and it's true. They, they're having a lot of trust issues with SaaS companies, right? And so, they want to be able to get out of a contract if it's, if the product ends up not being right for them. So okay. this is something that's going to impact uh, our ARR from from our internal point of view because I think that we're we're already seeing, for example, deal velocity it just improving dramatically. You know, we're, we're uh, instead of it taking six months to close, we're closing in like two weeks. Wow.
0: Okay. So we are definitely going to dig into that later. I think that's an awesome point and great call out on that. Um, so let's finish going through the rundown and then I want to dig into that uh, after we give a little bit of background on your story. So you bet. that kind of is a perfect segue into like what's your go-to-market strategy in terms of revenue creation. Uh, do you have direct sales force? Is it predominantly marketing, product led? You know, what's your what's your go-to number
1: one lever for that? Well, I think that you, today you've got to you've got to really meet the customer where they are. Um, you know, we've all read the stuff for ages uh, that customers want a lot of transparency around pricing. They want to be able to read all about you and all that kind of stuff uh, before they really talk to you. You know, the shrinking role of the individual sales guy, which. I think is true from a time on task point of view, right? But I don't think that that means that a sales guy is somehow less important in the equation. Mm-hmm. So those are that's a quantitative and qualitative statement that we can talk about if you want to. But I think that that uh, for us, right, we're actually, you know, a, a shorthand answer to this question would be HubSpot, right? If you look at HubSpot, probably 70% of their revenue uh, comes from uh, essentially digital engagement, right? Um, people are buying small initial licenses online and then growing it out. Um, 30% is more traditional enterprise B2B sales. Um I don't think that that mix has changed very much for HubSpot, uh, in quite a few years now. Uh, and so, and I, and they're doing really well. So I think that there's a real, um, that's a real statement of, of the, of market preference. Um, so for us, right? It's, we do a lot. So our, our, uh, um, our ICP is extremely narrow, right? We are looking to, Essentially, exclude uh, people as customers. Right? Um, we want them to almost self-exclude uh, many times. So this has a lot of benefits uh, for a company Lightproof. Like but one of them, for sure, is that is we have very low levels of churn because we really do a lot of work to to target the right customer a uh, customer who's going to be really successful with proof and thus tell a public story or even a private story uh, to somebody else about that and and so we get a lot of referral work uh, it's it's stuff like that right it's it's not just awareness although awareness is important uh, we are really focused on generating a lot of confidence and trust uh, in our in our customer and would-be customer base.
0: Okay. And have you systemized referrals at all
1: in your organization? Uh, yeah. I mean, because we actually use uh they all the referrals tend to go through customer success. Mm-hmm. We have just found that to be a real natural pathway. Um, and so customer success feeds those back into the sales team. Um but also, because of the way that we currently sell, you know, uh, for example, through the Salesforce app exchange, things like that, in many cases the the referral is just going straight to app exchange and saying, "Yeah, I, I uh, I'll do some research on it, and then they'll say, "I want to buy." And so it's there's not really uh, a sales role in that kind of situation a lot of times. Okay. Excellent, ma'am. How how large is your team? So we're up to about 40, 45 people. Okay. Excellent, ma'am.
0: And then can you give like a two-sentence description of your solution?
1: Sure. I mean, uh, so um, the, there are two major categories that we're a part of. One is the marketing resource management, which is essentially the single source of truth for marketers. It's an ERP, a mini ERP. We compete with people like Aprimo and Alicadia and folks like that uh, in that space. We're also um, renowned, I think would not be an overstatement at all uh, in the area of marketing mixed modeling, having been the first to really seriously automate it and make it very, very cost effective. So historically, you know, we compete against Newstar and Nielsen and analytic partners and companies like that, where a couple of models could cost you $3 million a year. Um, and, uh, you know, and, this, and they're recalculated every six to 12 months. Um, we are like a very small fraction of that. Uh, I mean, just think about the, the cost levels that I was talking about per seat. Um, It's a very it's a it's a minuscule amount in comparison to that. And yet we are delivering a far better uh, outcome for customers because they get rapid recalc. They can have way more models. uh, They can scale their models globally across all markets that they're Mm -hmm. in without spending many millions of dollars to do it. Um, So, yeah, that's that's kind of it. That's kind of it. That's what we're known for. And then we integrated the two. Right. So now we have one big offering. I mean, you can buy them separately, but uh, we have one big offering. Okay, excellent. And then are you bootstrapped or funded? So we are both right uh, from the standpoint that we have no VC, uh, but we have raised very small amounts of money, that meaning around four million, uh, mainly from family offices. And so that was mainly uh, that's mainly about building out the software. Um, In terms of everything else, it's been bootstrapped. Okay, excellent, man. Our customer base is folks like Johnson Controls, Bear, Samsung, companies like that, all the way down into kind of the the mid market. Yep. Okay, so enterprise plus mid market. So that's a good
0: backdrop. And and so that weaves directly into, you know, kind of what you mentioned when we went through your go-to-market was, you know, why did you shift to an MRR model versus an ARR model, I guess you say, with your contracts? And like you said, you saw the data, it shrunk it from six months to two weeks, and you have low churn. So walk us through that. Walk us through that. Because I think that's, that's really interesting that that's the approach you took. And I've seen elements of that as well with even different things that I've done. So walk us through like this the strategy
1: behind that, and well I think it's it's really a reflection of where customers are and meeting them where they are, right? So one of the things that we saw uh, not only for ourselves but for pretty much everyone in these categories, is that deals were taking, I'm talking about like large, large-ish deals, right? uh we're we're taking anywhere from 6 to 9 months to consummate for like what kind of deal size are you talking for that uh, anywhere months? from a half a million and uh, and up okay right? so 500k plus so yeah i mean yeah. that's typical for that deal size yeah and so and going into a recession you know uh there's every evidence that and uh, Nor- if, if we don't change anything at all right That's only going to get worse because people are even more risk averse, which is really the core issue that drives the length of these, the the deal velocity. Right. Mm -hmm. So we just said, this is kind of stupid. I mean, you know, why would we continue to do this uh, this way when we're seeing every signal in the world saying you need to change course? We did a lot of survey work using third parties, and then we also did a lot of primary conversation with real decision makers—not—not kind of like friends who happen to have certain titles, but real decision makers uh, who were all saying, "Yeah, you know what? That's exactly right." And I said, "Okay, so let me ask you this: if we price this this way, and it was a month-to-month contract." Certainly for year one until you proved it out, right? And you know you had all the flexibility, all the the downside risk protections, and you didn't have a lot of money initially involved in it because you could buy a relatively small number of seats as a pilot and then move forward. What would what do you think that would do to your decision? And they were like, "Well, that would be like a no brainer, right?" I mean, particularly if we could say you know what at month 3 or month 4 or whatever it is hey man you know this is just not working for us for whatever reason we're out uh that's that's their number one thing because they've been oversold to by so many saas companies for so many years that they're just rubbed raw on this yeah. issue right and so i think that arr is is a is something that's going to be Particularly if this economic challenge that we're looking at, if that sticks around for any length of time, I think you're going to you're going to see ARR becoming harder and harder and harder to justify. We were already seeing it competitively. Right. I mean, when so our number one marketing goal is to promote right now is to promote. Awareness of $49 a month, only platform, only MRM native on Salesforce, only MRM with integrated marketing, mixed modeling, analytics, right? And as soon as people hear that, if they're already thinking about MRM and they know that Alicadia and Primo and Adobe and all those guys are four to five times the cost per seat and it's an ARR contract. I mean, we're already taking that business.
0: So let me ask you this. Is there um, a long implementation time for what you do if you're to scale up past the um, proof of concept? Is there any kind of.
1: No, um, actually, I think that's the other thing that's really cool is, um, in in fact, we have some really great case studies on this where like IWB, uh, which is a Swiss uh, company um, in Bern, uh, I believe it's in Bern. uh, they implemented Proof using two uh, two of their team members who also had their regular job to do, right? And these two these two individuals implemented Proof fully in less than sixty days, um, mm-hmm. at no additional cash cost to IWB, right? Now, clearly, you can hire somebody, uh, you know, a, an SI partner or something like that to implement Proof. And it's going to cost you something, but it's not going to cost you the million to million and a half dollars that it, that they charge to implement a Primo and Alicadia and companies like okay. that, right? So
0: yeah, that's I mean that, that makes a lot of sense. Then if there's a low implementation time, because it's the only that's one of the flaws I see with the MRR model. If there's a lot of time and resources, you got to do that. Um, so let me ask you this: so at the stage that you're at right now, that the three million ARR mark, what's and growing fast, right? And obviously, it's going to be a little different with MRR. <clears throat> but what what would you say is your your single biggest challenge as an organization in terms of growing right now? Uh,
1: I would say that it's the same as it always is, and <laughs> probably for everybody, and that is the right people, mm-hmm. and not only hiring the right people and having the right people, but as a culture, being the right people, being the people that attract. The people that you want to attract, right? Um I mean so many times I think we we think about um we think about hiring the right people is a is a process that is divorced from who we are as people. Um and it's not and so you know one of the things that we we're on the warpath against uh, at at Proof. I mean, clearly friction is one of them. Uh, If it's not uh, something that you're uh, on the warpath against uh, with your, you know, friction in your customer experience and all that kind of stuff, uh, you should be. But also I think, you know, we uh, are very much on the warpath against expediency, which can be tough because sometimes You know, you feel like you have to be expedient uh, in the way that you solve a problem. But expediency means I'm going to solve the problem and I'm going to set my value system aside temporarily in order to do this. And that is that is not a that's not sustainable. That's a really highly corrosive thing. Um, And so we we were always because you know, the natural human tendency is to be expedient. I mean, right. let's just be honest and say that that's the human impulse, right? So this this takes a lot of people being willing to hold each other accountable when they see someone leaning in that direction to say hey 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 let's you know let's not be expedient here what's the what's the actual what's the decision we can make that's fully aligned with our values. That's uh that's really important. I, yeah. I also think that, you know, and, and this is a tough message, because it always is a tough message, but you gotta hire slow and you gotta you gotta terminate quickly, right? Um things are you know are never if they're not good in week one, week two, week three, they are not going to get substantially better. They're just not. If you're talking about somebody who's struggling because of a lack of experience, that's very costly in a startup. You you can't really, a startup is it's hard to teach people like who are standing on the first rung a lot of what you need in a startup because they don't even know where to look a lot of times. So you probably shouldn't even hire those kinds of people in a startup. Mm -hmm. Um, If they are more senior, it's usually a behavior issue. And that's you're not going to change that person's spots. So either way, I think you have to. I mean, every mistake that I've ever made uh, in this area, it's been because I waited too long.
0: Okay, that's good. That's good feedback. Well, what would you say is the the thing that you see is like your single best growth strategy that you're leveraging right now? to grow the business? Uh, well, besides the MRR piece that we just mentioned, like what's, what's your best strategy that you're leveraging that's working really, really well right now, particularly in the enterprise space if, in the mid-market
1: plus? Well, I think that, you know, the, the, the way I would answer that question is to say that for the last say three or four years, we've done a lot of work on organic uh, brand reputation right? So when we started to become more demand oriented, and this is what I really mean by that is not a lot of marketing automation, (coughs) but this whole scheme around better pricing, better terms, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, that, That really pushed the accelerator down Uh, in ways that had we not done all the brand and reputation work ahead of time, it might not be so effective. There were a lot of people who who have really come to trust us and what we say on LinkedIn and stuff like that. They follow us really closely. But, you know, last year, I mean, they would not have been able to afford proof, right? I mean, even though we have always been cheaper than the alternatives, we were not cheap. And one of the things that was really awesome when we when we met with Salesforce and we showed them all this data and kind of talked to them about where we want to go with pricing. Um you know they they got really involved in that. And uh they are part of the reason why we can do this, right? Uh, the way we're doing it. So I I think it it really is um both and, well, what, so let's
0: go a little bit deeper. So, uh, when you said because of the brand work you did over the past three to four years, what what did you do? Like, what brand work did you do specifically? And like, can you break it down into a framework? Yeah, so I mean, LinkedIn.
1: Was- LinkedIn. I mean, I mean, LinkedIn was our number one channel by far, right? And we just really we we created a lot of original content that. People valued a lot. We had a strong point of view um, that was, over time, proven to be correct. Um, And other things happened. For example, the diminution of third-party data um, by Apple and and, uh, Google and others that just so completely gutted multi-touch attribution, which was already a flawed approach, but now it's become a flawed, unsustainable approach. And so people were kind of like, oh, crap, you know, what do I do now? And so they started really listening um, around marketing mix modeling in particular, right? And so the now the ability to kind of offer them the turnkey piece is something that they're all primed and ready for, right? And the fact that they can afford it now easily without any pain and suffering, right? is uh, is also a, a big part of this. Excellent, ma'am.
0: Well, Mark, we're, we're just about up on time. So can you let people know where they could find you, where they could find out more about Proof, and then we'll take it from there and we'll wrap it up.
1: Sure. I mean, I am um, very, very easy to find on LinkedIn. Um, that's probably a super easy way to, to reach me. Um, also on Twitter, it's Mark Stoose, all one word. Um, email, not so, not so hot. So I wouldn't, I would not go, I would not suggest that path. Um, the URL for proof is proofanalytics.ai. Um, just, to, you know, no weird spellings, no, nothing like that. Um, and so if we can help you, you know, please let us know. And, uh, and I think you'll be pleasantly, uh, you'll have a great experience. Excellent. Well, thank you so far
0: so much for being on the show. It was great having you on. It was it was good to hear you know kind of a, the innovation that you applied with your pricing strategy, and I think other folks will take cue of it because there's a lot of opportunity there as, as we kind of move forward. So, thanks oh, for being I on think the show.
1: It, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, and hey, you know, I I, I can't claim the innovation here. On I mean, if anybody, I, the the innovation was li, being willing to listen to what customers were saying, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And since then, there's been other CEOs and other SaaS companies not in our sectors at all who have come out and talked about the same thing, right? So I I do think that this is a movement. Excellent.
0: Thank you for checking out The Scale-Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today but the more we get the message out the more people we could help the bigger the impact we make and the bigger the community gets which helps everybody so once again thank you for being a loyal listener i appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode